Welcome to the Why Not Podcast with me, Chrissy Hawkins. In a world where everybody always asks why, I'm here to ask, why not? I'll be breaking down the mindsets of guests as well as my own in a bit to find out what makes people say, why not? Okay, guys, we have another interview today. Today, I am talking to Jenny Hare. She's a registered nutrition and she deals with female health in particular. And today, I have her on to talk all about HA or hypothalamic amenorrhea. So, I don't know, you may not have heard of this, but it's a very common condition in women, can be caused by undereating or overtraining, are two of the main causes. But that doesn't mean it's, say, for instance, solely. A condition that affects athletes it affects many normal day-to-day women um, so if you have ever suffered with it or you may feel like you could have it this will be a really interesting episode she talks all about what can cause it what its definitions are and how you can come back from it um, because it is obviously reversible as ever guys I just want you to sit back and relax or walk and listen but here is my episode today all about hypothalamic amenorrhea with Jenny Hare. Okay, hi guys, welcome back to Why Not. So today I have got Jenny Hare on with me. So Jenny Hare is the owner of One Health Nutrition. She's a nutritionist and she is here to speak to me all about HA or hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is why it gets shared into HA. So first off, let's just say welcome to the podcast, Jenny. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Chrissy. Um, I'm great delighted to be here for a chat brilliant um just to start off could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself yeah so I am registered nutritionist I work as a coach with the clinic I have my own company one health nutrition and I focus solely on women's health so primarily hormonal health so everything from PCOS to HJ to painful cycles all that sort of thing and that's kind of my passion um, and they're the type of clients I love to work with so yeah that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years now yeah actually I've only started learning more so about women's health in the last year it's so interesting isn't it I know I think like and that's where I suppose I got into it as well I suppose like with my own my own kind of um I suppose like hormonal kind of challenges like most women do at some point in their life but I then started to realize how little we actually most of us do understand and um, so yeah that's when I really got like so in- interested in it and decided to focus my whole nutrition practice around specifically kind of hormonal health and because the nutrition and lifestyle and supplements have such a huge yeah. impact on hormonal health so um yeah it's really nice to be able to help like women through things that can be kind of isolating you know if you don't feel like you're getting the right answers or it can be frustrating as well so no, it's really um rewarding. I love it. Oh, brilliant. Um, what like in nutrition? What what drew you to nutrition in the first place as well? Um, I think it's something I was always interested in. Um, so I, you know, would have loved doing kind of like home ec and stuff in school. Um, went into college, did a combination of food science and business. Um, and then found myself in a, a business oriented role and really missed the kind of science side of things went back and nutritional therapy and um, so yeah I think it was just something that I was always drawn to um, and 
yeah um and I love it so like I think once you kind of find your area where you're like it doesn't feel like work then you kind of know that it's the right fit for you yeah absolutely I totally agree um so as we were saying like probably women don't understand um as much about the hormone stuff could you explain what hypothalamic amenorrhea or HA is yeah so Hypothalamic amenorrhea is the absence of menstruation due to a problem involving the hypothalamus. So um, I suppose when your period stops um, and I suppose the, the hypothalamus is, is this uh, center of the brain and it controls your hormones, your reproduction, how you respond to stress. And sometimes, um, you know, through, you know, reasons, various reasons that I'm sure we will get into um, later on, the hypothalamus can stop producing um, a hormone called GNR, so gonadotrophin releasing hormone. And then, because the function of GNRH is to, you know, let the pituitary gland know to secrete LH and FH, which then go on to tell the ovaries to secrete estrogen and progesterone. So when there's a problem at the hypoth- with the hypothalamus, like at upstream, it has obviously a ripple effect. And then you, experience you know loss of of your period so essentially is um losing your period and there's a couple of different types of ha so there's what's called primary ha so that would be when you started your menstrual menstrual cycle so you know girls up to about 15 um are considered to have or sorry if you're beyond 15 years of age and you haven't had your first period you're considered to have primary ha um but Typically, the type of HA that you and I would talk about, or you know, like I would see my clients, it's secondary HA. So it's also called functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. So the functional element there, um, signaling that there is a behavioral element to it. So you had your period, um, and when it stops for three months, if you have a regular cycle, it stops for three months, and that's when you're considered to have a HA. In a one miss cycle, you wouldn't say I have HA. But if, if it's three miss cycles, that's when we kind of say, okay, that's classified as hypothalamic amenorrhea. And then if you're someone who has regular cycles, it's when you haven't had a period for six months. And okay. that's when you're considered to have HA. Um, so yeah, and I suppose it's also worth noting that it is a diagnosis of exclusion. So you need to rule out other um conditions so um sometimes very frequently um conditions like PCOS um can be you know uh, they're often confused hypothalamic amenorrhea and PCOS can they, they can sometimes present in a similar way mm. and there are key differentiators between the two um primarily on blood work and on your blood results and then you know ruling out other things like you know uh, you could have a benign kind of growth in the pituitary glands that could be stopping the release of the hormones that then could be stopping your period so it's only when all of those other things are ruled out that you then go to HA so that's why it's called a a diagnosis of exclusion okay yeah that that makes sense yeah I suppose it can be a load of different things as well exactly um how common is HA it's actually more common than you would think um I think there's probably a multi kind of faceted reason behind that and it's obviously there's a huge pressure from society from a, from a aesthetic perspective and a body image perspective and um, you know to 
you know, lower body fat and to be super lean and, you know, to go to the gym and, you know, hit six, seven workouts a week and this kind of diet culture mentality. Um, and that is one of the times where you can find women experiencing HA and it's, you don't necessarily have to be in, have a really low body fat. And that is, is kind of a, a myth. It, it does happen a lot of times because the nature uh, goes hand in hand with maybe training too much, but it's primarily the fact that you have low energy availability. So you, you, you hear it a lot with, um, traditionally you would have heard it a lot associated with athletes, female athletes. So obviously doing a huge amount of exercise, and training you know for hours and hours each week and it, it's not you know they're not trying to you know put themselves in in a you know under fueling you know when in, a, yeah. in an area where they were actually under fueling but it just happens by default because they're doing such an ex, you know a huge amount of training and so that's why it would be typical typically associated with with athletes um but then the exact same exists when you translate that into kind of more uh I suppose the, the kind of regular gym goer but they're just over training and they're under fueling um, yeah. so that's that's a lot of the time what can be driving um HA and okay so I know until I knew more about it like if that happened to me I'd be like class no period that's really bothersome <laughs> Do women understand the other effect that's going to have other than just like not having that inconvenience once a month? I know. And I think that that's very much the kind of narrative around the menstrual cycle is, you know, it's obviously like for a lot of women, like they, it's a time of the month that brings with it a lot of symptoms and a lot of, you know, negative side effects. So they're kind of like, oh, brilliant. And I don't have it. But I suppose firstly, we're kind of told that, traditionally that you know those symptoms are just part and parcel of being a woman you just kind of have to get up and get on with it and um, but, but it's actually not the case you, you really can get to a point where you have very symptom free periods that's something mm. that you can obviously work on I suppose that's slightly separate um in this case but yeah so there are you know there are reasons beyond just having a baby for your menstrual cycle so the production of estrogen and progesterone give you such a wide array of benefits so like progesterone you, you pr produce progesterone when you ovulate progesterone is like a natural um can has a natural calming effect in the body it's a natural painkiller so you know it, it counterbalances any of the negative effects that maybe high estrogen would have and had very very positive impact on cardiovascular health so i suppose then when you look at what happens um when you don't have a cycle and you aren't cycling these hormones and those hormones aren't readily available one of the primary issues with HPM is a prolonged kind of so it's called hypoestrogenism so it's essentially a deficiency in the hormone estrogen and um, and that's probably the most dangerous hormonal pathology associated with HA mm. because a deficiency in estrogen can negatively influence bone health, cardiovascular health, mental health, fertility, metabolic fun functioning, both in the short term and the long term. So I think when like the, the research is very clear on the benefits that estrogen have and we see that time and time again, we hear talked about, you know, like for women in the menopause when they then maybe they might opt for 
hormone replacement therapy because they're experiencing the negative side effects of not having estrogen anymore. So they're then replacing the estrogen, you know, with um, HRT. But so the exact same can translate when we're not producing our natural estrogen in our reproductive years through not having a, a menstrual cycle. So um, you, you will find women who I have clients, um, you know, who have had HA for years and years. So like really, really prolonged HA. So, you know, eight years plus, and they're then getting DEXA scans for their bones and they're having signs of, you know, their, their bone density is deteriorating. And that is as a result of this estrogen deficiency. Um, so that's, I suppose, one of the, the, the main uh, downsides to n- not having a, a menstrual cycle. Do you, do you find um, there's a more common age group or is it across the board, board that it kind of hits? I think, um, I suppose I obviously see clients of a particular age, like they're, of course, it's within reproductive years, but I do mm-hmm. think that it is more, I was going to say it is more common probably in early 20s because you're, you know, typically that's the age group that are more body image focused you know mm. they're, they're not really you're not really sure of yourself you kind of have these external pressures that you don't really know how to respond to and you're really stuck on your feet as a as a person and um, but I actually I don't know if that's even the case I do think it spans because I'm, I'm trying to even think of the clients that I have at the moment and, and they really do vary and a lot of women like they know the thing with HA is that it's so much more than a physical condition. It like it's driven by such deep-rooted mental, you know, um, I suppose deep-rooted like understandings of body image and perceptions of yourself. And you know, like, you know, why is some why does somebody feel the need to be X weight and constantly at, you know, this really, really critically low body fat? And it's obviously down to like, you know, this kind of social conditioning. And they a lot of women only are prepared to start dealing with it when they want to become pregnant so then you know you're looking at the later stage of that you know in your kind of early 30s maybe and um, so it does it does vary but across the reproductive years but I would say you know yeah like 20s to 30 20 to 30 is obviously the kind of decade where it's most prevalent I would say yeah I suppose that age as well you're not really thinking about the future like your bone density and stuff like that you're probably more thinking as, as long as the weekend maybe <laughs> exactly and I think that's it as well that it's, and that's true no fault of women it's, it's that goes back to there being a lack of education in school as to why your menstrual cycle is actually important and um, and why you know it's it's not just important when you want to have a baby I, so I yeah. think if that education was there at a much earlier stage and um, women would have kind of this I suppose I don't I don't mean that they don't respect their body but I just mean that like they'd have a respect for the fact that I know it can be a bit of a nuisance when you know things are out of balance and you're getting these all these negative symptoms but I suppose respect respect for the fact that like all of your body all of the things your body are doing over the course of that cycle it actually like I just nerd out on it I just think it's amazing um but I do think if the education was there and women understood it a little bit more from you know the ages of 16 17 they'd be much quicker inclined to go and say okay there's something not right here my body's trying to tell me something like why don't I have a menstrual cycle I should have a menstrual cycle why is it stopped 
Yeah, no, I actually agree with that because like in school, we were only taught maybe in biology. I don't even probably wasn't mentioned home ec, but it was like in a real matter of fact, this is what happens. So yeah. it's only literally I'm 30 now and literally only last year that I actually started learning about it. And I got like really into it. And I was like, oh, there's so much more to this than yeah. just an annoying thing that happens once a month. <laughs> this is it. I know. Hopefully um, that will change. Yeah, I, I well, I don't know. I follow a lot of people who talk about it so I'm hoping like if you guys get bigger platforms um and just keep explaining it like it's not a bad thing it's not like you know it's kind of I suppose being a hush hush things and going up in Ireland as well isn't it yeah I think that it is there is this kind of taboo around female health and the menstrual cycle and you know like when I'm sure it was the same for you but like when when you first started your period your mom would be like oh yeah you know like you just be really discreet and go to the toilet and here's your little purse and you bring all your bits and like he's like well why does it need to be like that like why just for fear of like a guy feeling embarrassed about it but like it's literally the most natural thing that happens like yeah. it, no, not one person would exist if it didn't happen it's just exactly you know and every lad has either a mother or a sister or something so. <laughs> exactly and and I think like yeah they become pretty accustomed to it then when they you know they get into relationships themselves and like you know their girlfriend or their wife or whatever so like I mean it's just it's it, again a social kind of condition like oh this is kind of yuck but it's not at all no no definitely not um is HA reversible and what can you do to reverse it if so yeah it, it, I mean it's absolutely irreversible and um, mm. and I think one of the things that I found most interesting when I really started to get you know into the research on HA is that this like despite the amount of time you have had HA for so whether that's two years two months three years that is not a predictor of how long it's going to take you to recover so I thought that was really interesting so I kind of had in my head if if somebody sorry and that's the psychological element of it aside like obviously some people will have more deep rooted issues that they need to work through um, psychologically but I'm, I'm talking from a physical perspective if, if you've had I thought when a woman who had maybe you know six seven eight years of HA that that was going to mean it was going to take a lot longer for them to get their period back but the research has shown that, that actually isn't the case and I've seen that with my clients as well that clients who really do commit to doing the work and um, both mentally uh, and physically can get their cycle back you know they within kind of six months if you fully the research has shown about 75 percent of women can get their cycle back within about six months if they really you know that's that's wiping training and that's really uh, focusing on nutrient dense sufficient calories um in their diet and mm. alongside some supplements that can obviously really help yeah, so six months is like could be a really quick turnaround for someone who's, as you said, had it for two, three years. Like exactly. Um, do they struggle with the methods involved in reversing? Because I know you were talking about mentally, there's a lot more. It's not just eat more food, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. So I mean on paper, on paper, it's you know, reduce your training load, increase your your calories, and you know. All, all food groups, so carbohydrates, fats, proteins, there are no foods off limits when you're in HA recovery. Um, but yeah, it's not as straightforward. We're, we're not 
straightforward beings and we have a very complex kind of mental uh you know inner voice that kind of kind of goes against the logic of it I suppose in some sense so like you, most women do understand you know you spend some time explaining what's going on I do find that that really helps so like you know you're you explain that the hypothalamus is under this chronic amount of stress and um, and stress isn't just psychological stresses being a calorie, calorie deficit stress is overtraining and that's something that I think does surprise women that like your body does not know how to differentiate between different forms of stress it just feels stress so whether that like I said is too low calories or overtraining or a psychological trauma it does not know how to differentiate between them so when it gets to a point where there is too much stress for it to manage the only way that it knows is to switch off these hormones and, and that if you think about it is a really clever way to do it because mm. it's from a evolutionary perspective that if you're in an environment that's really really stressful why would you bring a baby into it like the, it, it is a normal it is a very clever biological response but I suppose from a recovery perspective you need to let your body realize that okay I'm not stressed I'm going to give it a few fuel it needs I'm going to take the stressors like high intensity training out I'm going to you know really work on whatever is causing me psychological stress so I think the the psychological stress and the working through you know what the individual barriers for that woman are mm. is the primary focus and is the primary I suppose what takes the time with HA recovery so you know you really have to go into okay well why do you feel like you've needed to go to the gym seven days a week and spend two hours a day there or you know why did you feel that you need to like you know what's driving you eating 1200 calories you know why do you feel like you need to be this like really really low weight and, and that's all huge like you know body image and it takes a long time to unravel those like thinkings and um, but I really do find that like clients get a huge amount of they get so much it's, it's a long journey because of those mm. things but they get so much out of it and it's it gives them an immense amount of freedom just in life both food freedom like flexibility that they haven't had in their life in so long like have clients saying like I went out for like pizza we had drinks like and I didn't feel the need to like restrict the next day and you know I I let myself have all these things and I actually felt amazing for it and I didn't feel like I had to force myself to go to the gym as like quote-unquote punishment for going and eating all these things so like it's it's so much more than just a physical journey to get your period back it's such a mental journey as well so and that can be challenging both for, for both the, the the coach and the client it, you know it, it's not a it's not always a straightforward road and especially with HA like you you don't you see nothing until you see it do you know like it's yeah. mon months of not having your period like this isn't working I feel like I'm doing my best and then your period comes back and it's like okay this has all been worth it so you really just have to fully engage in the process and just trust it um because I've spent so much time like no stick with me we can do this like and like you're on the cusp of it I know and you know clients are kind of going to get another blood test to see if anything's changed and you know so it, it can it is tough but it's absolutely doable and it is something we absolutely need to do like for your health and for your fertility if, if you know children is something that you want and um, I think as well when the goal is a pregnancy that can be it can make it a little bit easier because there's a really mm -hmm. really strong why like why am I doing this why am I doing all this hard work like 
and then the reward I suppose at the end of that is hopefully a healthy pregnancy so that's yeah. really that's really you know a lot of drive for the kind of recovery I can imagine yeah how like you know that's if that's your goal like obviously you need to be ovulating and having a cycle so exactly is do you find um any people who that isn't their goal struggle more with it or is it kind of the same still yeah um it, it can be it obviously is very individual but I think when you kind of for some for, I've said that it, you know obviously isn't having a low body fat or low weight isn't a predictor of HA but it is often part of it and so you, like I'm very frank with my, my clients when I say like I'm not going to tell you that you don't need to plan to make because you do and you know and and that's something that they have to come to terms with and some some clients you know they, they found quite a, they need to plan quite a significant amount of weight for their cycle to return so like the research has kind of what's called a, a fertile BMI which is kind of between 22 to 23 kind of body percent body fat yeah. for women and for a, like a fully functioning optimally running menstrual cycle and um, and then when you have you know clients who are at you know 10 11 percent body fat like that that is quite a lot of that is quite a lot of kilos to add on and you know you then kind of go through the journey that okay you do need to you know you need to throw out your old clothes in a longer fit like that that's that's a trigger for you yeah. you know you need to so that's a whole part of the journey so like I'm, I'm always encouraging them to really embrace it like go buy yourself some new clothes like this is where you're you're doing this for your health and it's part of you know getting you to where you want to be we've you know we've chatted through all the reasons why you want to do this um but it's I suppose supporting them through that that those clothes no longer serve you and that when it gets to that point that's a real tipping point if they're really okay I'm I'm buying the bigger jeans and that's fine and that's I'm at a healthier you know point in my life I'm working towards my kind of goals but it's amazing though that those really they're really strong like indicators in the kind of recovery journey you know when you actually have to okay I have to go out and I have to buy different things yeah that's you know a real kind of like turning point I think that can be that can be really hard like even myself like over the years like just being like just get a bigger size you're fine like you know because you kind of have yourself like conditioned that like I shouldn't be bigger than this size I know I know and it, and it's it's awful that we've been yeah like it's like conditioned to kind of think that way but it I think there is more awareness now than ever than there ever has been so like you see all these great videos on Instagram and it's like people wearing like you know four or five different size jeans just because yeah. they're from different shops and like I think I have like every single size from Zara like there's just no consistency <laughs> so like don't don't put yourself worth into a number and a label that literally the only person that can see it is you you yeah. know so it's I suppose at that point you're hopefully have done the kind of bigger work in okay like why am I doing this and I think like journaling is something I really get all of my AJ clients to do and it's a really really powerful tool to like help you work through those tough days and you know really flesh out okay well you know why is that why is this particular part upsetting me or you know that sort of thing so yeah it's definitely um it can definitely be uh you know a kind of complex process but like I said like probably one of the most worthwhile things you'll do for yourself yeah I can imagine as well mentally going up a size when we're always kind of told to celebrate going down is hard yeah exactly and, and like I try to then reframe that thinking I'm like okay yeah you put on a few kilos and you're now wearing a different size but like this is bringing you closer to your 
your your goal like so like usually our goal from a you know a societal perspective is to you know drop x amount of body, body fat and to fit into the smaller dress but whereas it's the opposite usually the goal for a ha journey like ha recovery journey and um, so like i'm like okay celebrate that you know this is bringing you closer to your healthy pregnancy or you know whatever that why is for you yeah absolutely like it's it's I suppose your goals change as well when you get older so I think it's better to be in a more healthy shape then you can also enjoy your life a bit more (laughs) it's always good um I find if you're trying to stay in 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 that kind of like calorie and exercise kind of deficit and makes a lot of things it, it filters into your other life rest of your life and you don't get to have as much fun or enjoy yourself as much 100% life is very short and way too short to be you know telling yourself you can't have you know pizza with your friends on a Friday night like you know I agree absolutely like I'm not I'm never going to turn down cake <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that now it took me a long time but I'm there and I go no never mind yeah um is there any kind of okay I know you can't give like a blanket like statement was there any kind of supplements that you kind of recommend to people or is there something like someone might be able to start small with I don't really say like obviously without saying yes everyone can take this this is fine mm-hmm. um okay so the first thing I'll probably say as far as um hey Jay recovery um of course it's individual like you said but there are some things that of course we 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 do across the board that are kind of non-negotiables and supplements would be the third port so that your first protocol is is your diet always um and particularly your carbohydrates so you will often find you know women really restricting carbohydrates and carbohydrates are so important for hormonal health they we are particularly as women we are particularly sensitive to low carb diets the vast vast majority cannot do low carb diets they just it, and while and not have a negative effect on your cycle and um, so carbohydrate and the carbohydrates research research has actually shown has a dampening effect on cortisol so the whole aim in this process is to help the body to feel less stressed and because when the body is stressed it pumps out cortisol or stress hormone so when we are trying to minimize that cortisol so we're trying to minimize high intensity interval training that pumps out cortisol we're trying to you know minimize it from psychological stressors and as well from um low carb diets so carbs there's a reason why carbs genuinely make you feel happy because it boosts serotonin and it also dampens the cortisol release so that's the first thing carbohydrates are actually just so important in HA recovery so like you know you could be eating maybe maybe you could be eating enough calories but your carbohydrates would be really low and you still wouldn't see the 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 kind of the improvement that you're hoping for um and it's the same it's not the same but it's similar for low fat so low low fat diets again our hormones are made from fat we need fat so like let the low fat diet stay in the 60s good night god bless we're done with them they did know like there is clear evidence in the research the impact that those low fat diets had on female reproductive health we now know that so low carb low fat is no go so we are 
all food groups are to be included um, in a diet. So we want lovely balanced meals. And, and even with carbohydrates, they don't have to be like your brilliant complex carbohydrates, you know, the ones that we are obviously looking for. We, we can include the more simple forms of carbohydrates. You know, the, the pizza, the ice cream, the chocolate, there are no foods that are off yeah. limits for this. And you have to really park the restriction and the food rules at the door and um, because that's all part of this kind of psychological journey that you're going on and also there's research to show that the simple carbohydrates and the carbo and the complex carbohydrates trigger a different um pathway in the brain and so like kind of enlighten in ignite ignites these um pathways again which is obviously what we're trying to do we're trying to bolster the hypothalamus and getting it to, to produce the gnrh again so that we can you know get our menstrual cycle back so I says that's the first thing um you'll probably hear a lot and um, when it comes to ha that there's a figure of two and a half thousand calories thrown out quite a lot like you know you have to eat two and a half thousand calories to get mm. your period back and that was something i was quite interested in when i first started to research ha i was kind of thinking well like how can they kind of give this blanket you know calorie target when you know obviously they're so different like how does that work but I did look into it and there are clinical studies that show um that have shown that this two and a half thousand calories is what is required for alongside that kind of 22 to 23 percent body fat what is required for a fully functioning menstruating metabolism and um, okay. so that that is, it actually is backed by research so I think that's actually a question I get quite a lot because a lot of the times when clients come are have come so far to you know employ a coach to get support with this journey they have they know a little bit about what's going on they know that they have ha they've looked into it this kind of two and a half thousand calories off quite a bit like do i need to eat that and first of all i'm kind of saying okay well you know let's explore why that is such a fear factor for you you know why are you so terrified of eating two and a half thousand calories first and then I do, you know, I'll explain that there, it is actually backed by science. And of course, we're going to adjust your personal, you know, if you're super tall or, you know, we of course are going to adjust those calorie um, targets to, to kind of allow for that. But yeah, it's, it's one of those ones that is actually worth kind of taking on board. But of course, it's gradual. You know, we, um, if you're, if you come to me and you're eating, you know, 1200 calories, I'm not going to say tomorrow you're going to eat two and a half. You're going to feel so sick you're gonna yeah. your your digestive system is going to be all over the place like it's a gradual thing so and of course we'll see how you respond to it but so that's the i suppose the main things when it comes to nutrition also intermittent fasting is a no um it's a no um for, for ha and and a lot of women even who have um menstrual cycles find that they don't respond very well to intermittent fasting it does throw their um, hormones and of course there are that cohort of women who do respond quite well to it and they don't know there's any negative side effects so of course it's a personal approach always but um generally speaking and specifically for ha intermittent fasting is a no is a no-go and um, then we want to look at lifestyle so this is primarily focused around exercise and stress reduction mm. so you want to okay really pair back the the training and um, both frequency and duration so um particularly 
high intensity training so hit um is needs to needs to go on the back burner for a while like again this goes back to the kind of mental journey that the that a woman will be on and um, when when kind of recovering from aj so like if a woman comes to me and they're doing you know three hit sessions and three resistance sessions i'm not gonna it's gonna be very hard for them to justify say okay tomorrow you pull turkey you're not allowed to do anything so yeah. we'll say can we pair back let's start with the high intensity training can we pair that back that back by one a week and you can keep your resistance training we'll see how you go and you'll increase your calories and we'll see how you go we'll gradually take it from there and then if we're not seeing movement then that's when we do need to kind of begin to strip out the resistance training as well um, and yeah. go for kind of more lower impact like walking yoga pilates if 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 you know it's a girl who particularly is you know at a point that they want to keep some sort of movement in in the routine which is you know a lot of people get a lot of stress really uh, you know relief from exercise so i totally get that um of all of the kind of strenuous exercise running it does appear to have the most significant negative impact on ha and mm-hmm. um, so yeah the, the prevalence of ha amongst runners marathon runners is is quite prevalent and um, and I, I mean part of me obviously we don't know for certain but part of me does liken this to you know it from a from an evolutionary perspective you know like running from a bear or you know this like your body mm. doesn't know that you're running because you love it it thinks yeah, yeah. you know that you're in danger so it's going to protect you by not letting you get pregnant so you know it's going to switch yeah. off your thing so that that's probably my um take on that but um yeah there are lots of things it just obviously uses a huge amount of calories as well um, and a huge amount of carbohydrates and a lot of them will find both for both running and and other exercises that they just generally don't have the appetite after their finish exercise I even know myself that when I'm finished my session I'm not really that hungry but and that's where the low the relative energy deficiency can come from because you're not you don't have that appetite even though you need the fuel and you don't have the fuel and you know you're in this kind of yeah, state you I get that don't have that. enough um, energy so it's kind of a catch-22 so yeah running is is really something I am quite strict about mm. quite quickly removing from the from the routine um with HA and then stress you know like I said you know you have to manage your psychological stressors so whether that's yoga walking journaling having a bath just find something that works for you because I think women really underestimate how much of an impact stress has on their menstrual cycle and and their hormones in general like if I have a month where I'm really stressed I see it with all my clients your PMS is just going to be so much worse Um, it's 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 amazing. You just really tap in. Stress just taps into your body's reserves and uses them all up. Um, and then sleep. Sleep is absolutely magic for hormonal health. You really one of the best things you can do for your hormonal health is getting that seven to eight hours um consistently. Um, and if there's something that's disturbing your sleep, like look into it. Try and figure out what's going on. A magnesium glycinate supplement before you go to bed is excellent. You can take up to about four hundred milligrams. And um, so I'd say start on two and see how you get on but we really really got it promoting really restful good quality sleep so that'd be um a tip there and 
of course caffeine you want to be really really mindful about mm-hmm. your caffeine intake especially after midday and people are like Jenny that's so early I love having a coffee at like three but for, some people are more sensitive to caffeine than yeah. others and some people can you know have a coffee you see the Italians and they have coffee an espresso after their meal like if I had that I literally would have the worst night's sleep I'm but, yeah but some people can do it but for the vast majority of people you need to bring your coffee back and you know into or, you know maybe until about one 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 thirty in the afternoon and and I think most people don't know that coffee has what's called or caffeine has what's called a half-life of four to seven hours so if you are particularly maybe slow at metabolizing caffeine you could have that half that amount of caffeine that was in your Starbucks at you know 4 p.m is still active in your system seven hours later when you're trying to go to sleep yeah. so, you know so it's it, it, it's re- I've noticed a huge positive impact on my sleep since and um, I don't generally have coffee after about noon and that's obviously me personally but I would say if you are somebody who's struggling with their sleep look at your caffeine when you're having it that's the same for the likes of energy drinks yeah. you know even coca-cola you know just so just have a look at that and that'll be one of my first things if your sleep is is quite poor the one thing you have to worry about as well is not even the coffee especially for younger people it's the candle monster when they go into the gym yeah not only would i be wired but the sweeteners would just they just tear off my stomach i just can't do it yeah um <laughs> i can't sleep <laughs> exactly um and then the third kind of pillar so that was nutrition like that and then the third pillar would be supplements so supplements are really powerful at you know aiding that kind of HA recovery journey but only if you do the work from a nutrition and lifestyle perspective like they are not going they're absolutely going to bolster your efforts but they're not going to do anything by themselves so um some kind of like generic I suppose just to caveat you wouldn't take all of these at the same time but these are just some of the my kind of go-tos depending on the person and um, so magnesium magnesium is just generally a key nutrient key mineral for helping to calm the nervous system it helps to regulate the hpa axis so the part of the brain that responds to stress which is obviously what we're trying to work on when we are treating ha and zinc has been shown to improve the health of the hippocampus which is the part of the brain that calms the hpa so and it's also involved with regulating your stress response. So again, all of these things that we're trying to do in HA. Um, a B complex, so specifically a methylated B complex. So that's just the form, like the quality. Um, so the way the the B vitamins are chelated to like a sorry, that you don't even need that, but it's just a good quality B vitamin. Yeah. Um, but the B vitamins really support the body amounting stress and help improve anxiety and promote kind of calmness um they can calm the neurotransmitters GABA and serotonin in the brain so again just the whole nervous system just totally relaxes um and again carbohydrates are so rich in B vitamins so again that's why carbohydrates are so good at dampening this cortisol response um, and then there's a couple of really really great ones um, that are uh, herbs so ashwagandha so it's a herbal medicine that supports the reduction of anxiety and kind of counterbalances the longer term effects that stress has in the body. Um, 
and then lastly this is one of my like favorite ones for um menstrual health um is vitex so or it's also called agnes cactus castus or chaseberry so three names same oh, thing um it's made from berries of the chaseberry tree it's been around for thousands of years um it there's actually a lot of research on it and um, and it supports ovulation by helping to protect the hypothalamus from chronic stress it calms the nervous system by preventing the pituitary gland from overproducing prolactin and um, there are cases where you would not use this so like you, you wouldn't use this obviously if you're pregnant but obviously this in the context of ha but mm -hmm. i suppose just on that just to caveat you would need to like get health uh, health professionals advice yeah. before starting any of these herbs in particular because they interact with medications so they're re they are quite powerful and they are really really beneficial when you're looking to kind of support your ha journey but just to caveat that you do need to be mindful of how and when you're taking them don't just go order them online get get advice yes exactly no don't do that um have you any other advice for anyone who is struggling with ha I suppose it's just to really commit to the journey like I know that like it's not it's not an easy thing to do but like you genuinely do need to do it for yourself for your health for your future for your fertility like um and I suppose just the how amazing women do feel when they get it back it's like really empowering they get their cycle back then of course you might have to you know tackle some PMS or some irregularities but they're all things that are minor we, we can absolutely work on that but um yeah my advice would be to just it's it's not easy but you know do the work commit the process um and yeah just I suppose from a psychological perspective it obviously will depend for each woman but you know you may need to have support of nutritionists and um like a a therapist as well you know for, yeah. for some for some women and um, like I obviously am quite experienced in doing it but there have been instances where I know that it's outside my realm of qualification that I'm not a therapist I'm not a psychologist so at that point I'll say like I absolutely love to support you and I know you know what we can do but at the same time I think for you know your recovery and for your mental health that you do need to enlist you know secondary form of support um yeah but that would probably be my do you get the support I think that's probably be yeah. my advice yeah that's what I was, I was my kind of thinking that like you know it's probably not something you could go on your own would you say to do yeah I mean some some women are very like um there's not a huge you know psychological element to it some women you know they might you probably um see it in your kind of realm is that they might be training for a photo shoot or they might be training mm. for a bodybuilding competition or they might be doing a really intense kind of competition you know an athletic they're an athlete and for people like for women like that times there isn't really a psychological thing just like I didn't mean to but I was underfeeding because I was training so intensely and um, so for 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 that kind of person I think they may be very well able to do it themselves and um, but I think when it's maybe a more deep-rooted kind of challenge that's when it becomes more difficult yeah like as you said like all the stuff is um like it's very simple in theory but it's all the rest that coming with having to eat more and train mm -hmm. less and 
I know some people if you tell them that like trying to train less they'll be like what no I know because we're conditioned to be like the more the better it's like when you're you're like Apple Watch pops up like seven day work week workout well done like you're just like that diet culture at its very finest it really is yeah and um, I have had conversations with clients like you train every day don't you and I'm like no I don't because yeah. my body wouldn't let me yeah exactly um okay I think that's everything I have to ask there is one other one though that I do ask everyone at the end of each podcast and that is what is the best advice that you've ever gotten and this can be that's anything such a tough one <laughs> um best advice I have got I don't know if it's necessary advice but um I know I've got lots of great advice but I'd say um I and I suppose this comes kind of with age as well just kind of not be so caught up on what other people are thinking um mm. I think like that is what holds a lot of people back like and it's what I've you know naturally when you're uh, I suppose a bit younger you're like oh what, what would they think or you know what, what will she think if I do that but in reality people are really caught up by their own lives and they don't actually give you that much thought and I don't mean that in a cynical kind of way I just mean that in a if there's something you want to do just go and do it like it doesn't yeah. really matter as long as you're hurting anyone else it doesn't really matter what you're you know what anyone else thinks like you know at the end of the day what what you need to do for yourself so I think that's probably something it took me a while to figure out but it's it comes with age and it is definitely I, an age thing yeah yeah um yeah just feck it just do it anyway I like that one just feck it just do it anyway yeah <laughs> um no that's really really good um I just want to thanks again for coming on do you want to tell everyone where they can find you yeah absolutely so I'm Ashlyn Health Nutrition on Instagram Jenny Hare and um, yeah, that's primarily where I'm most active. My website is onehealthnutrition.com and you can book in consultation there. And yeah, that's where I hang out. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, thanks again for, for joining us today. And um, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you again for listening to the Why Not podcast. It really means a lot that you are listening in and I would love if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify. And always, I'd love to hear feedback personally. So if you do want to leave me a message and let me know how you found the podcast, please do.